Listen, um, thank you again for being sensitive. Man, I just, I, I, I'm just wrecked. I don't want church like normal. I hope I'm not the only one, because if I am, y'all are in for an awkward couple of years. Um, can we just, can we do one more thing? Um, Ollie, I'm going to try to share it, and if I mess it up, you tell me, okay? Um, I do think we need to talk about this really quick. And then um, I'm trying to go fast, not because we don't love Jesus, but because I really do think we need to talk about what we have today. Um, so, but Ollie was sharing with me, when she was growing up, she would have these, you ever have these recurring dreams? She would th- dream about snakes. <sighs> do y'all feel that? I hate snakes. I don't care. You tell me they're good. You tell me they're black snakes. I'll tell you they're the devil, right? I tell snakes all the time. You come on my property, you die. Or I'm selling it. One of the two, right? Um, but she would always have dreams. And if I got this right, so you, like, you see them at your bedroom door. Is that correct? And so she always took them as a, as a sign of evil and fear and all that. And then you would also, in the same dream, see a lion at the door. And she knew that was the Lord protecting her from the snakes. It's so far, so good? She's, a, she's like, I can't believe he got all that, right? Here's the important part. She said last night she had a dream about snakes again. And she, you said it's been years, right? Um, and then we sang that song about, you, you know, you've got a, a lioness out of your lungs. And so she really felt like, and I think this is accurate, that what God was saying was, you know, he's, we're the lion. We're not taking, you know, we're not taking Jesus' place. Y'all know that, right? Just, I'm making sure, like Christianity 101, we're not Jesus. But... When he left, do you remember when he said, I have all authority, and in that authority, I'm sending you. So who is Jesus in the world today? We are. That was a, not a trick question. <laughs> we are, right? And so she really felt like what God was telling her was that, that there's a mantle. I'm using that word. There's a call, an anointing on our church to be that lion that's protecting people from the snake. Did I get that right? Okay. Well, you can't come up to me and tell me that during the intermission and me not say something about it and not give you the opportunity to respond to it. Are you getting a feel for how this works? I promise you, if you like regular churches, I, I, I don't mean like, I'm not knocking other churches because I've been in seasons at church where you did pretty much the same thing each week and it's still good. Like God, God's not against routine. But he's also against rigidness that's not open to what he wants to do in different seasons. <clears throat> so we want to be that. I'd rather you be a little bit frustrated with me, but me go home feeling like we honored God. Is that, is that okay? With, are y'all good with that? Yes. So I don't know. I just want to pray over you, over us. Um, there is a mantle on our church. And we do know, um, we shared, I shared this, I think it was Wednesday night. My days are running together. Um, but for the longest time, we've had people tell us things like our church is like a first responder church. You know, we see people that are hurting, and so we get to them first, and we help them live until, like, actual doctors can take care of them. And I really feel like in this season, God's taking us to another level, that we're, he's going to continue sending us hurting, broken people. Heck, sometimes we're the hurting, broken people. But he's not sending them to us so that we can just, it'll be okay when they get here to help you. He's giving them to us to heal them. 
to mobilize them into the army to raise them up. So we're the lions. And so I just want to pray that over you. It, um, you don't have to stand up. Just, just close your eyes. And every eye is closed. No, this isn't about me and you and God. It's about you and God. But if, that's, if, you, if that resonates with you and you're like, you know what? I believe that God's put me at the gathering for this season. I believe that I'm called to help protect people from the snakes. Now, I just want you to slip your hand up in the air. I'm going to pray over you. When I say amen, you can put it back down. Lord, I pray right now over those whose hands are raised. I thank you for the calling that you've placed on our church. We can't explain it. I don't even want to try. But I love what you're doing. And I love that you're entrusting us with a call to not only help hurting people, but protect them and strengthen them and bring them into the place where they can then be lions that protect other people from snakes. And so we've just received the word from you this morning. We receive it, God. We don't even know what to do with it, but we receive it because we trust you. And I pray for power from the Holy Spirit. I pray that those whose hands are raised, I pray that this would be a season when they would move in the gifts of the Spirit like they haven't in a long time or maybe even forever. And that they would just be blown away by how you give them downloads and words of, in, of wisdom and knowledge and insight into where people are and that people would walk away from conversations with our church in awe of Jesus and free in your name amen amen all right is that good yes. can we talk about your money now yes. my money too um, we are, we're in, it's been, we've been forever since we started this floodgate series, but if you didn't see the first one, it's on our website, um, I think it's on our YouTube channel, it's called Pay the Toll, um, we talked about how the longest, the world's longest traffic jam, do you remember this, and shake your head so we're all on the same page, um, and so sometimes, yeah, it costs you something to get the clog unclogged, right? It costs you something to get out of the status quo, the traffic jam, and get on with what God wants to do. And so floodgates, again, if you already know this, just bear with me, just really quick synopsis. Floodgates are like in a dam. Like they have those floodgates down. Water's not bad. Y'all know that, right? Water's a good thing. But the floodgates are there because whatever's on the other side of the floodgates, if they were to receive all that water, it would not be good right so spiritually what i believe god is using this series to teach us is that sometimes he has to keep the floodgates down because he wants to release blessing on us but we're not ready to receive it and the reason we're not ready to receive it <laughs> love me through this please right it's so we're just not obedient we haven't been faithful with what we have so he can't give us more he's not trying to punish us he's trying to keep us from dying right like, there's a reason why people that win the lottery often go bankrupt. There's a reason why professional athletes who sign multi-millions of dollars worth of contracts often end up broke. It's because they're just like us. No matter how much or how little you have come into your house, you're going to spend 10% more of it if you're not careful. So God's not going to be like, yes. I see how you're wasting what you have. I'll give you more to waste, right? We just pray that nothing is wasted, so he's not going to do that. 
He wants to see that we're, we're prepared for it. So that's the whole idea of floodgates, right? So now for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about specific things in our lives, that if we're faithful with these things, then God can release the floodgates of blessing in our life, okay? Now, I'm not going to do a lot of talking today. I'm just going to set this up, and we've got some people that are going to share some testimonies. Because don't you love stories? Yeah. I love them, right? It helps a preacher sound good when people tell their stories. Um, so if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Malachi chapter 3. This is actually the passage where the word floodgates comes from. And we're going to read six or seven verses. And all I want to do is help you understand finances quickly from God's perspective, okay? Specifically tithing, all right? So Malachi chapter 3, or as they call it in Italy, Malachi chapter 3. That makes me want spaghetti. <laughs> I got to quit thinking about spaghetti while I'm talking now. I mean, I'm just, in my head, I'm twirling it with a fork. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. There are plenty of churches to choose from. It's okay. It's okay. I'm very confident in who I'm called to be, even though it's very sporadic. Okay, so here we go. Verse 6 in the NIV says this, I, the Lord, do not change. I just want to point this out. It's because I'm going to help you see um, a loophole that people use all the time to get out of giving and faithfulness. And, what, and the loophole that they're going to use is they're going to say, well, that tithing thing, that's Old Testament. That's not New Testament. And what was the first thing I just read? Yeah, I think that's hilarious to me, right? That's just the way my mind works. Yeah, that's not for now. But the very passage we're reading starts with, I, the Lord, do not change. How he plays things out definitely has changed, right? But he has not. And so a standard that he would introduce then, it hadn't gone anywhere. I told you I wouldn't talk a lot, so I, I got to keep going. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? And his answer was, sing more Hillsong. Pull up that Bethel radio channel on your iPhone. Go to church every Sunday for three straight months. Love me more. Is that what he said? He said, give me your money. Oh, I'm sorry. You don't believe me. It says, will a mere mortal rob God? That's a weird. He's always asking a question, answers a question with a question. Have you noticed that with God? How do we return? Well, will you rob me? Well, I'm sorry. We were talking about. Church, I thought, now you're talking about robbing. This doesn't make, like, how do we rob you? And he says, you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. And you are under a curse. Your whole nation. This isn't about me individually. This isn't about our church. This is a nation. Because you are robbing me. And here's his solution. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse if you're a circler in your Bible, circle the word whole. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. You're getting ready to hear testimonies about that. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. Now, we read that and go, huh? 
They were an agricultural society. So for him to promise that pests would not devour their crops was a big deal. And if you were a farmer back then, and there was a Google back then, you'd be Googling, like, how to get the best return for my crop. And number one return on Jesus Google would have been tithe. I'm saying this to people who give God a dollar. Okay, not y'all. I'm talking about people that will watch it later on YouTube. Y'all are generous. Then, then being after you've brought the whole tithe, after you've tested me, and after I've opened up the floodgates and poured out blessing that you cannot contain, then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Sounds like people would want to leave another country to get to theirs, right? Which is awesome. That's the testimony that they're going to have. So here's, here's um, your big idea. I'm going to give you one quick teaching, and then I'm going to turn it over to people to give testimonies. God can't pour blessings in when we're looking for loopholes out. That's something you should probably write down if you're a note taker. And after Pastor Larry last week, aren't we all? Because he's big and we're scared of him. <laughs> Y'all should take notes. Yes, right now. Let me just in blood on my face. <laughs> God can't pour blessings in when we're looking for loopholes out. So let me just talk about only one loophole today. And here's the loophole that I hear over and over and over again. Tithing is Old Testament. Here's my response. Jesus raises standards. He doesn't lower them. Read the Sermon on the Mount, and in Matthew chapter 5, multiple times you'll hear Jesus say, you have been told this, but now I say this. He said things like, well, you were told not to commit adultery. And I'm just, I'm using my words, not Jesus. You were told not to commit adultery, and you really didn't pull that off. But now what I say is, if you even think or look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. That wasn't Jesus going, yeah, that Old Testament thing was way too hard, so let's make it a little bit easier. (laughs) That was Jesus going, "Um, y'all struggled with that, and I'm taking it to another level. He never lowers standards. He always raises standards. So the Old Testament standard was 10%. And we can get into all this some other time. By the way, you'll hear this reference. We did a series called Dollars and Cents a little over a year ago. It's on the web. I would highly recommend you go there and get some more stuff. Just watch it. Um, There's some really good stuff in that teaching about finances. But the New Testament standard is 100%. He wants all of it. The only time tithing is mentioned in the New Testament is in Matthew chapter 23, verse 22. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. That's an interesting chapter where he's just like ripping them a new one over and over and over again. And he talks about tithing. And he tells them, hey, you've been tithing in one way, but you haven't tithed in another way. And his exact words were, you should have done the former without neglecting the latter. So he didn't do away with tithing. He just said, you're doing one but not doing both. You should do both. Some say that Jesus didn't talk about tithing because it was an understood thing. 
The people in the New Testament times, they knew that was what was required, right? And, and just one more point about how Jesus raises standards. Um, how many of y'all brought a, a lamb, a sheep, or a bull today with you to church? Nobody? You're like, well, my spouse kind of looks like a bull, <laughs> right? We didn't load up animals and bring them to church, right? And why didn't we do that? Because remember I told you that God doesn't change, but the way he does things does change. In the Old Testament, they had to bring animals and slaughter them. The priests, I had a really bloody job in the Old Testament. I had to kill, like slit their throats. Blood would go everywhere. And that was part of how they did church. And some of y'all are like, that is awesome, right? We're not going to do that here. So, sorry. And good luck finding a church that will, right? So, the sacrificial system, has it been done away with? That is a trick question because it hasn't been. Because Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that you and I are the sacrifice. Does that blow your mind? I mean, I'm super glad that we're not bringing bulls, but I'm supposed to bring me. So the way that he does it is different, right? So in the Old Testament, when you read about tithing, there's a lot of, I think, like this. Like, we're inspecting to make sure that you did, and it sounds very mad and angry, and like there's a curse because you didn't. And then when you get to the New Testament, everybody wants to say that Jesus is in a better mood than God in the Old Testament. But Jesus came and said, um, all of it. I want your money. I want your heart. I want you. I want all of it. Which is why when they said, how do we return to you, God? He didn't say, love me more, because he knew that if you do love me, I'll get your resources. Because Matthew 7, Matthew 6, 21 says that where your heart is, that's where your treasures will be. Right? That's one reason why people don't like to talk about money. Because we're not really talking about your money, we're talking about your heart. Amen. On the good years, a lot of people have no trouble spending way too much money to watch the Panthers lose. And they'll paint their faces, their bodies, the whole deal, because that's where their treasure is, because that's where their heart is. Nothing wrong with being a Panthers fan, I don't think. It's hard sometimes, right? But if that's where, if that's where my heart is, then that's where my treasure will go. So Jesus knew, like, I see you get your heart. So I'm, just, I'm trying to take that loophole away, right? So when you hear tithing, don't think, oh, that's Old Testament. I don't have to do that anymore. I think a better representation is that that might be a starting place. And God's looking for more and more and more. I mean, one of our hearts, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but one of our hearts is to, like, live the reverse tithe. We would love to be able to live on 10% of our income and give 90% away. I, I love that Rick Warren does that, right? And I know you're thinking, well, if I had his 10%, <laughs> well, God's like saying, start with what you have, right? Start with what you have. So when we bring the whole tithe, that's the only thing that he asks us to do, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. When we do that, he promises that he will throw open the floodgates of heaven and he will release blessings on us that we cannot contain. Somebody say why. Because he's after vessels, not vaults. He's looking for rivers, not reservoirs. 
He's not trying to pour out a blessing on us that we contain, but that we let flow through our lives to bless others. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, is when he said to Abram, leave the land that you're in and go to a land that you don't, and I'm going to bless you, and through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. So he's looking for people that he can pour through, not just give to, right? And that's important because you're going to hear in these testimonies, you're going to hear some testimonies about how people were faithful and God blessed them. But if we're giving to get back from God, we've missed the point. I think in the Dollars and Cents series, I shared the story about the young girl who gave an offering in youth group, in our very first youth group. And when I was turning the offering into the church uh, um, administrator or accountant, whatever, I noticed on the back of the envelope, she had written green neon which I thought was really odd. What, what is that? And I remember asking her about it. And she was, oh, yeah, yeah, that was the green neon. That's what I told God. Like, when I give this to you, you'll, you'll give that back to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's how it works, right? So he's not obligated to make you rich. He's obligated to bless you. He's not trying to make you wealthy. He's trying to make you obedient, right? Okay, so that's enough of me talking. Um, do you want to go first? I could tell. You're just looking like, give me the mic, Paul, right? This is Cecil. Everybody say, hey, Cecil. You want to come up? You want to come down? All right. I thought you were going to help me down. It's fine. No problem. Uh, I have my notes, so I'll keep my eyes open. That was my wife's comment when I shared with her what I was going to share. Uh, and everything today has kind of flowed into what I feel the Lord wants me to share with you about Debbie and I. Debbie, come up here for a second. You remember back in the old days they had poster children? Well, we're the poster children for tithing, so take a look at us. I mean, God has just blessed us so immensely. Give it up for Debbie. Uh, we have probably, I don't know how many thousands of testimonies of God's faithfulness to us, but that was one of the songs, and that's the thread I want to talk about. The tithe is a part of the way we live. I want to change the way you think about it. It's the way we live. It's not what we do. And when we were up here and Pastor Paul said, if you got anything to lay it on the altar, I laid this down, this piece of paper down there, and because it's my the testimony, and Jesus said, your testimony is my testimony. Let that sink in. You said that. We're the Jesus that people will see. Your, everybody look at me. Your life matters. Your life matters. Even the young one looking at the iPad thing. I hope he's got a good game there. But that's great. He's hearing. Your life and the one back in the back. Your, your life matters. Because your life is a reflection of Jesus to this world. So the tithe is a part of the Talbot's way of life. So I'm going to go back 30 years to when we walked into a church similar to this, probably a little different because there was a lot more need, a lot of single moms in the middle of the inner city of Atlanta. And we were just like, eh, it's a different church. We didn't know a thing about the Bible. We didn't know a thing about God or Jesus. We just knew that we were drawn to this place. And... Psalm 15, uh, 18, verse 19 kind of is my capstone, the thing I would go to, and I know that was the 
testimony, the, the centerpiece for the encounter, he led me to a place of safety and he rescued me because he delighted in me. He delighted in us. And it took us a few years to figure out that he did truly delight in us, but he led us to that place. He led every one of you here this morning to this place. Let that sink in. Then Psalm 92, verse 14 and 15, again in the Amplified Version, classic, not the diet version, the classic, makes this testimony. We are living, test, living memorials to show that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. Now, I'm going to touch on something that's kind of raw, but I think it's pertinent right now. We have just memorialized two faithful men in the last month or so. Their lives represented a life lived well of faithfulness, but yet each one of us is a living memorial to God's faithfulness. See, there's a thread here. We sang about his faithfulness. So faithfulness over time. Lives which will result in the Lord saying to us, Debbie and I, and hopefully to you, well done, good and faithful servant. You have were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Matthew 25, verse 21. So as I thought about that, and thank you, Elder Kyle, wherever you are, for teaching us that we should prepare to come to church. So last night I was preparing to come up here. You should prepare to come so that you'll be ready to give your testimony of what God's done to you, done for you this week, today, yesterday. He got you out of bed. But we're doing a devotional, uh, Pastor Paul's leading us on, on discipleship, and there's been some scriptures that have jumped out, and I want to bring them out because that'll show you where we're going with this. In Luke chapter 11, verse 35, in the Passion Translation, it says, Open your hearts and consider my words. Now, this is Jesus speaking. So I ask you to open your heart to consider what Jesus is saying, what the pastor just said to you about Malachi 3, verses 6 through 10. Watch out that you do not mistake your opinions for revelation light. And revelation light is the words of Jesus. And many people in the church sit there deceived about the tithe and offerings and alms because they're listening to the opinions of man. Jesus did not say the tithe had been done away with. In fact, he is a type, or Melchizedek is a type of him, and Abraham, 430 years before the law, gave a tithe to him. So we have no place to say that the tithe's been done away with. But the opinions of man would lead us to think that. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15 and 16, the reason that Debbie and I are here is for you might have 10,000 instructors, yet you do not have many fathers. And on Wednesday night during prayer, we had a call to come up here for people who would rec be recognized by Pastor Paul as spiritual fathers for the, those that are without spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. Therefore, imitate me. Imitate me in faithfulness, and Debbie in faithfulness over the last 30 years, for we are encouraged to follow after those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So who are you following after? 
if what you're inheriting is not what you want, maybe you ought to look at who you're following. Because God puts fathers and mothers in the house to lead us. So he said, my testimony is his testimony. And so what I want to do is share with you several points real quick about what he highlighted to me about our testimony. What we represent as living memorials. You come to the Talbot's house on 10th Street up there and this is what you'll see. That we've been faithful to God, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, his kingdom, his calling our, on our lives and into prayer. Number one, faithful to God. We've been faithful to our marriage. We've been married 45 years. You know, that's awesome. And we've got people in our lives that have been married 50 years and 60 years. And one of my friends, and he's passed on to glory, but I was born in 1948, and he was married in 1948, so John was my hero. I mean, he's been married as long as I'm alive, and I'm 72. Um, so we've been faithful in the service to serve in the houses of God where God has sent us. We started in Atlanta. We went to Gainesville, Florida. We went from there to Dunellen, and we came here. And if you go to each of those places, you'll find that we were faithful in those churches. And God sent us from point A to point B, and he sent us up here. We've been faithful in tithes, offerings, support to missions, and alms. If you want to look at my giving report, just we'll pull up the uh, push pay thing. and It's so cool. You just <laughs> And I'll, I'll show you the last as many years you go back. When that Social Security check comes, we get around the coffee table, we call up the app. I used to like to bring checks. It said bring it. But we call up the app, and I look at my face. It opens it up. I go there. I put the amount in. I also add the 2.5% surcharge so the church gets the whole tithe. Well, I mean, it's, I didn't see it the first time. Then I said, oh, no, hold it. So that's the $2, $3. And we pray over it and we push pay and it's gone there. It's a part of our life. It's not a chore. It's not something we have to do. It's just something we were taught in the first several weeks of our church walk. They had a new members class, sort of like 3D, and it just clicked. You just take 10%, you give it to God. Now, people who teach budgeting in the world will tell you when you're sitting down with your budget, just take 10% off the top, you're going to lose it flat tires, whatever. Is this going to go? Well, God's not mocked. So we've been faithful in that. We've been faithfulness, faithful to our commitments to the world, to pay our bills, our contracts, be lawful citizens. Is that law-abiding citizens? That's a good term. I know that's when I grew up. So this is the witness of our lives. So Matthew 5, 13, and this was also in that devotion we were doing, stuff that jumped out at me. He says, your lives are like salt among the people. Now, we might rub some people raw because we're salt, but we are also something that gives flavor to people. We, we know that. It says also in verse 14 that you're the light of the world. So wherever you live, you're the light that's there. And then back to Luke eleven thirty six, it says, if your spirit burns with light fully illuminated with no traces of darkness you will be a shining lamp reflecting rays of truth by the way you live so the tithe is a part of how we live it's not an obligation it's not a burden it's not a way to get God to bless us 
Though, although early in, I'll be honest, early on, those were three of our motives. It became, it was a chore, it was an obligation, oh, but God will give me this. But as Pastor Paul told us, he doesn't pour out upon you more than you can handle because he doesn't want to ruin you. There's a pastor in Atlanta that brought us up in the Lord, used to talk about Proverbs 30, and I would fight with him because it says right in there, it says, God, give me neither more. Don't make me rich and don't make me poor. Just give me what I need. Because if I'm rich, I'll walk away from you. If I'm poor, I'll steal and curse, and it'll cause a curse upon your name. And so that's where he's got us. I mean, we sit here today. All of our bills are paid. We have money in the bank. If you want to look at worldly standards, we have more money available to us right now than 90% of the people in the world. But yet in the kingdom of God, that's not, that's not riches. That's just table stones. I don't look at that. It's what he has. So it is just the way we live and a testimony to him of our faithfulness. Because in Psalm 18, verse 25, it says to the faithful, he will show himself faithful. So my encouragement to you is tithing becomes a part of who you are. It's not something you do, but it's also in all of those lists about your faithfulness to God, your marriage, uh, your service in the house, your, your giving, and your commitment to the world. Because that's what the world sees. But Jesus said to me this morning, your life matters to me, and your testimony is my testimony. So that's all I got. That's good preaching. Thank you, sir. Uh, we got two more. You ready? Are y'all both coming? Sweet. Mike and Chandra Hall, give them a big round of applause. I was going to help him up. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey, y'all. So I'm just going to start by saying that I believe tithing saved our lives. And I know it definitely changed our lives. Um, Ten years ago, we started out. We filed bankruptcy. Almost 11. Uh, Filing bankruptcy, we were not in a good financial place at all. Um, It was one of those situations where we barely lived paycheck to paycheck. And so tithing was far down (laughs) on what we needed to take care of from week to week. So it typically did not get taken care of. Um, And we ended up, uh, we were given the book, The Blessed Life by Robert Morse. And we read that together and decided, okay, this has obviously not been working for us. So we changed things. We changed our mindset. Um, We both love the Lord with that, but, you know, just tithing was not, we didn't think we were able to. So we began, we changed our mindset, we changed our heart, and we started giving correctly and giving the first 10% first off. And the way that he completely changed our lives was incredible (laughs) we went from filing bankruptcy and we all know bankruptcy you know it's seven to ten years before you're able to do anything (laughs) to work on you know getting your credit back and we were renting a very small like 
800 square foot house. Um, One bathroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but, yeah. But within all of this, as we started doing those things, I mean, we, we had back taxes to the government. Um, we, that ended up being cleared. Uh, <laughs> that in itself is, is a miracle coming yeah. from the IRS uh, that we actually at this point owed no more money. Uh, thank you, Jesus, on that one. But, um, but within four years, we were able to purchase a house that was way more than what we even needed. So we went to like- Or could afford. Right, really, on, on paper. Right. Um, so we were able in four years to purchase a house. Uh, we- Can I go into some detail about the house? Though? Well, a little bit. Yeah, a little so bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't want to give me a mic because she knows I can get a little long-winded. But anyhow, we, we go in to purchase a house. Um, well, actually, to just look at the house. We were, there was 20 people to look at it that day. We were the second couple to come and look at the house, and the wife of the man that was there, that was their, their parents' house, uh, his parents' house, he, she looked at him and said, we just found the owners of this house, call everybody else and cancel. We were only in there five minutes and hadn't even seen the house. She was very spiritual, and she knew the house was to go to us. House needed a new roof, needed a lot of different things, and they didn't question anything. They let us move in immediately. We didn't even own the home. We just moved in in faith that we were going to get a loan to buy the house. They gave us all the money to paint the interior and exterior, and they replaced the roof, which was $10,000, and paid cash and did not increase the value of what they were selling the home for, which was just tax value. And, and after we sold, bought the house, we ended up getting a $3,000 kickback from the, I don't know what happened, how it worked, but anyhow, we bought the house under value and had... Uh, equity immediately. All right, enough about yeah, the house. Go ahead. No? <laughs> okay. I, I don't know where you were at after that, so go ahead. That was just about the house. Well, anyway, I just wanted to give a quick synopsis with that. Okay. Um, but, yeah. But we went from buying and selling homes, and uh, our finances were stretched. Um, mm. Things were just taken care of. Um, tax time, you know, it, was, it would be unbelievable that uh, on paper things just didn't make sense. Never. Like how we could have given what we gave um, on, on what we were bringing in. So it just it continued to amaze us how yeah. God would continue to provide things that were needed, that um, things lasted longer. Um, still lasted. You know, just... <laughs> Still just night. still. Um, so it's just been an amazing journey for us. It's been a huge testimony in our lives that, that we've been able to see. Yeah. Let me, let me add some more. The basic thing is, is what we just, we didn't surrender. Because I don't like surrendering. Surrendering means somebody got a gun to me and I just got to, you know, raise my hands and say, oh, I'm going to be shot if I do. You know, no, we faithfully just submitted we read a book, we looked at ourselves, and we said, hmm. And then we backed all the, the scripture was in the book with the word and looked at it all, and we just said, okay, God, we got to need change. So the very first week we tithed, we did not have the money. We did not have it. We did not have 10% to give, but we gave it in faith. We gave it in faith, and every bill got paid. <laughs> every bill got paid. We just recently had bought another house. We lived there for 22 months for free. Because when we sold our house in 22 months, which should have never happened, 
We sold it for more than the asking price, only because the people wanted to give us more. They didn't have to, but they did, because they guaranteed wanted the house. Two, when we did the math, we ended up at $907 over what we had paid for 22 months in our house payments, taxes, insurance, everything. $907 in 22 months. That just doesn't happen. Now, we don't say that braggingly. We don't say it because give the tithe and God's going to do this for you and he's going to make you rich and wealth. No. We do it because of obedience in our hearts. And every year we commit to give more. Every year we commit to give more of our gross income, not what we got in our checkbook or whatever, not what we bring home after taxes. It's from the very beginning. We first, at the first of the month, the very first thing we do is we honor Israel. We honor God's people. That's the first tithe check that we send out of anything. It's not a tithe check. It's an offering check, excuse me. Um, then the tithe, and the tithe's automatic. And usually what I knew is I know my paycheck, what it's going to be, and we know pretty much what she's going to have usually about the day before. So we're already tithing that day before. We just send it before the check even gets there. That's where we're at now. And our offerings keep going up every year. At last, at last count, we just, we're at 14%. We're, we're wanting to be the 90-10. We're at 14% of our gross income and don't know how we do it. And this year, we'll probably be about 16 17% of our gross income that we just give away. And God keeps blessing us. And we're like, how does this happen? You know, how does this happen? Because it's much better to have 90% that's blessed by the Lord yes. than to have 100% that's not. Yeah. Look at you preaching. You're coming out with a little tweet statement, too. That was good. All right, look, I know what time it is. I'm aware of that. So we're going to bring this to a... Yeah, you want to say something now before I show the next video? Come on. Y'all know this how it works. If you're visiting here, I only act like the pastor. <laughs> the body preaches. It's fantastic. This is my sister, Laura. Everybody say, hey, Laura. So um, my heart's been pounding, and, and y'all know my dad. We just lost him. Um, but my tithing came from him. He taught us when we would, get, we would get, I remember getting a dollar allowance. Ten cents went to church. He gave them to us in dimes. Yeah. So we could give one to church. <laughs> yeah. And um, I live by that all my life. And I want to speak to parents and single moms um, that, first of all, your children will remember. And I think we've gotten away from that. I think, um, you know, I never forgot if I got a birthday check for $10, a dollar went to church. Um, and then going through, I was a single mom for many years. And I never stopped tithing. Um, and God always took care of me. And so you may feel like you don't have it, and you don't. <laughs> because, But God multiplies, and he sees your heart. And I just want to encourage you, if you're struggling, fin if you're struggling financially, don't limit God. Honor God. That's good. That's good. Thank you. Sure. I mean, I don't. Just me. I'm just that way. But um, another thing is, we don't pay a tithe. We only return back to God what's already His because He owns it all. I own the cattle on a thousand hills, all the gold, all the silver is mine. Doesn't matter who has it right now, whether they're good or evil, 
It's his. And if we, as the body of Christ, we as the example to the world of the light of the world, don't do what he has showed us and taught us, how then can we reach people? How? That's all I got. That's good. All right. Um, yeah, how, how generous is God? He allows you to keep 90% of his money. It's nice to him, isn't it? Some of y'all are like, what? It'll hit you later. You'll love it. Um, so thank you so much. We got one more video testimony. Uh, Justin and Catherine Deese couldn't be with us, and so they sent a video because they were like, we have got. They came up to me over a year ago and said, would you please do a series on finances so we can give a testimony, right, um, of what God's done. And then I'll wrap it up so it feels a little bit less like an infomercial. Hey, Gathering family. I'm Catherine Dees. When Paul texted Justin and me this week about Sunday's, well, today's message, I immediately knew I needed to share with you all our testimony. We're out of town, but I couldn't let that stop you guys from hearing what God has done in our lives. In February 2019, Paul preached a series on money. I know, bold. God does that sometimes. It's called Dollars and Cents, and you should definitely check it out if you missed it. It changed our life. It was time for us to get our finances under control. Enter Dave Ramsey. First things first, tithing. We weren't doing it, period. Occasionally, we throw the church our leftovers, but we were not tithing. The Bible tells us to bring our tithe 10% to the Lord and to bring it from the first fruits. So that's what we did first. It's at the top of our budget and one of the first things we do every month. We quickly started climbing out of debt, even though our income hadn't increased and we kept tithing. In April of 2019, my husband quit his job and took a 25% pay cut in his new job. We kept tithing. We kept climbing out of debt, even though we had had a loss of income. By the end of 2019, y'all, we were debt-free, except for our house. In the fall of 2020, Justin's work slowed down, and I felt like we had fewer financial resources than we had ever had. But God sent me a sign to show me how wrong I was. On November 7th, I got a credit card alert because we had tithed. 18% more in November than we had in October. And Capital One was alerting me of the fraud. Don't worry, we're still debt free because we pay off our credit card every month and reap the reward points. And this, this is where it gets really good. So here we are being faithful to God and we are completely surrounded by his goodness. We have everything we need. We are able to be generous to others and we have been given the opportunity to witness to several people about what God does for his children, but something was missing. I've always wanted to host a community group, but we just didn't have the parking. Four or five cars in our driveway and you're done. If one leaves, they all have to leave. It's not what I envisioned community group parking should be like, but this summer we expanded and paved our driveway and we paid cash. God is making a way. 
Luke 16, 10 says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. And we can't wait to see what God does next. Yeah, do you want me to throw the mic to you? This is Chase. He always gets the mic because I'm scared of him. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm not. God bless you. We love you. Um, I just was dropped on my heart when this thing first started. Um, and I'm saying this out of complete humility. This is, this is a struggle for me. I don't know if I get it from my dad or what, but I don't love turning loose of money. It's, it's a struggle. But God dropped this on my heart when I was sitting back there. Um, in 1968, I believe, it might, or 72, I'm foggy on the date, but we got off the gold standard. And from that moment, this dollar has lost 20 times its value since the 60s. This, by definition, is getting more and more and more worthless. But your obedience is priceless. I hate turning loose of these things. But Satan loves to rob your destiny for nothing. Everything that God gives you is so much better than the counterfeit Satan has for you. So I just felt like that had to be said. That was too good for me to come up with. So... <laughs> Okay, so thank you for sharing that. Let me see if I can bring this to a really quick close because just through those doors is pizza. Pizza, y'all, seriously. Um, not spaghetti. So I said I want this to not feel like an infomercial, so let me wrap the whole thing up like this. Usually when we share testimonies about giving, they are these kind of testimonies where, like, I started doing this, and God did this, and now I don't have this, and my life is better in this area. God, God's already got all. He, he owns it all, right? I love the verse about he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He also owns the hills. He doesn't need your money. He needs you. He needs your faithfulness. He needs your obedience. That's what he's after, right? Now, Wendy and I, we have tithed our whole life, um, mostly out of fear because Dad, he just hammered it home. Um, and I will tell you this, part of the blessing that comes when the floodgates are opened, we think money, but part of the floodgates are I've, I've been able to hear stories over the last week and a half where people have said to me, I, don't, I bet you didn't know that your dad did. And they would tell me what he did for them. That's the reward that comes when somebody's willing to open up. It's to be obedient and allow God to open up the floodgates of heaven. And my dad had a testimony poured out that I'm hearing about now. And we'll continue to hear about. We, we pledged one time to give $1,500 to speed the light in one year. And we were poor youth pastors. And our reward was I had to take my Honda to the car dealership to get the air conditioning fixed. And the bill was $750. And do you know what happened next? We had to pay it. <laughs> I remember telling God, are you kidding me right now? 
we pledged $1,500 and you gave me a $750 bill. So for all of you who are like, oh, the church just needs our money, y'all are generous. We have people in our church that handle the finances. I don't do anything with that at all, thank the Lord. And they they do more with less than anybody I know. We're not a rich church, but God takes care of our needs, right? This isn't about money. It's about faithfulness. But in case you're skeptical, I just want you to hear from me to you that sometimes the way that God blesses us is with money to pay the bills. Not with a winning lottery ticket, which we've never had because I've never bought one, right? Because that's not where my hope is. So my entire life is God has always helped us pay the bills. And sometimes that's the greatest testimony of all. Any small business owners in the house that would love to have your clients pay you on time, that's an amazing witness is when you're able to pay your bills on time. So this is not a get-rich-quick scheme, right? This is a get-faithful-over-your-entire-life scheme because that's what God's after. Now, I will tell you this. There's really only one way to apply this message. There's the box there and there and there. There's the church app. There's push pay. I mean, there's only one way to apply this message. And not because I'm the guy saying, well, if you really believe this, you need to start giving. It's because God said it. In Malachi chapter 3, test me in this. It's the only time in the Bible that we're allowed to test God. And he said, just, just try it. The, the Hebrew word for test literally means to scrutinize. God has said, I will open up the books of heaven. I love when you said, just look at my giving. I'll open up the books of heaven, and if you start to be obedient, you can scrutinize me. That's what God said to you. You can scrutinize me and see if I won't do what I've always done. Your giving will not change God one bit because he's a generous, good father who looks to bless people. Your giving will change you because you'll put yourself in the flow of his blessings coming to you so that they can go through you. Every station where we give, that's our verse. 2 Corinthians 9, 11, That he will bless you on every occasion so that you can be generous on every occasion. And so that through us, the church, your generosity will result in praise to God. So when people say things in a couple months when we do the big give and we start paying power bills, and people start saying, man, what? I can't believe your church is going to pay a power bill. Do you know what our answer is? Yeah, the church paid your power bill, not the gathering. The people in the church gave, and through us, it results in praise to God. That's what he's after. Everybody clear on that? Okay. All right. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go eat pizza. All right? Father, I thank you. That the promise is so true that when we test you, when we bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, into the storehouse, like not 2% there and 3% there and it all equals up to 10, but the whole tithe here, that when we do that, God, you said you would throw open the floodgates. And I pray, God, and I know I'm probably not talking to everybody, but you're, ta- you're moving people's hearts The remnant is rising. And there are people in this room right now that are like, I'm I'm up in my game. 
because I want to be as obedient as I can be. I want to be as pliable in God's hands as I possibly can, and I'm not going to withhold my treasure and my heart from him. And so if over those people, God, I pray that you would release faith and conviction to stand on your word and see you do what you said you would. Continue, God, to use us to spread your blessings through the church to the city, God, that you've called us to be in. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody say amen. 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 Go eat pizza. It's out there. Pizza, 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 pizza.